Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tuso, And I'm Ann Friedman. Months ago, we asked listeners to leave us voicemails about how you met your bestie. And they are like, they are the very best and the very cutest. Lily and I'm Diana both black girls in um, you know a school with not many blacks yes <laughs> we were at a <laughs> private Christian school so um, you know there wasn't many of us and we knew that we had to stick together hi Ann Friedman hi I'm kind of froggy over here it's like early morning no, it's not Girl. that early morning. I'm just froggy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, early morning. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you're the first person I talk to, and like, I'm just like, you can hear in my voice that I've been sitting quietly hunched over a computer. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm excited about today's episode. Okay, so I, I don't remember who, I think it might have been your genius idea. It was definitely yours or Gina's. It was not my genius idea. But months ago, we asked listeners to send us leave us voicemails about how you met your bestie. And they are like, they are the very best and the very cutest. The thing that I love about these is that there's an element that is familiar in all of these to a lot of relationships that I've had. And I suspect that it's the same for a lot of people who are listening. Meeting someone and clicking as a friend is a mysterious thing. It happens in lots of different ways for different people. And like when it comes to falling in romantic love we have this whole body of culture like we've got like books and movies and you know whole tv shows that are built around the idea of like what does it really look like when two people feel some kind of spark romantically and we're sort of asking the question as we're working on our book and then you know and actually put the question to all of our listeners of like what did it look like when you felt that in a platonic context and like what would it look like to make that more a part of the cultural conversation too so let's listen to the first uh voicemail and this one is definitely a friend love at first sight hello my name is caitlin i'm calling from Arlington, Virginia, just outside D.C., and I met my bestie at the Whole Foods bar. I was just trying to eat, like, a simple meal by myself after running a half marathon. I was, like, super exhausted. Some other bar goers were talking about Hillary Clinton, and one man in particular was just saying the nastiest sexist bullshit I've ever heard close to me in my life was just trying to eat quietly and really didn't have the energy to engage with him. But I like locked eyes with this woman, like a few seats down. And we just like shared this incredible moment of like eye rolling. I just can't believe this man is saying this out loud and no one's doing anything about it. And finally, he left, and we both heaved a big sigh of relief, and I went and, like, sat closer to her and was like, wow, what an asshole. (laughs) 
we just started talking and now two years later we're besties and I can't thank that disgusting man enough for saying the nasty disgusting things he did (laughs) I love that this is like a real make some lemonade out of lemons like literally in the produce aisle kind of situation (laughs) this is truly the kind of you know like it's the kismets that like in a rom-com you like you feel it and it's euphoric or whatever and then there's a montage and I was like the same thing happens in friendship the same thing kind of happened with us it is true. I mean, I like I, I like to refer to this, um, especially when you see someone in public, but also maybe when you're at a party or at a friend's house as a who's that lady moment. You know that feeling where you're like, yes, yeah, which yes. is definitely the feeling I had when I like met you for the first time. I was like, who's that lady in the homemade Gossip Girl t-shirt? <laughs> um, yeah, so we met. I'm Everybody is like sick of hearing this, but you're going to hear it so much because we're going to have to talk about it during book tour. So get ready. We met at a mutual friend's Gossip Girl viewing party. Our mutual friend, Daya Olapade, who, like, we are both still incredibly good friends with because, you know, there's the body of work about, like, uh, like somebody introduces two people and then they cut out the middleman. Uh, that's not what's going on here. The we are not man, cutting out the middle woman. <laughs> yeah, no. The middle woman is amazing. The middle woman <laughs> is amazing and, like, truly makes, like, genius connections happen. And... You know, it was it was the kind of thing where in this interconnected like friend group, we just hadn't met yet. Like we had heard about each other. We had not met. And then when we did it, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, we're on the same like antenna frequency. Like what's going on here? Yeah. I mean, this was an era of our lives when there was a lot of group television watching going on. And I like Mm -hmm. and I think that part of that was like not having any money. Part of that was seeking respite from the kind of like more overtly work and career oriented social opportunities that both of us were full up on. So like, you know, one way to signal that you're not doing a work thing is to like sit on a couch, like in a group watching television. But also like it wasn't just Dio. Like I feel like we knew we knew several of uh, the same people. And so what's funny is I have a Yeah, Dio's just the one that was blessed with cable television. Like, oh, which is also one, crucial. Well Dio's also the one who thought to like actually go out of her way and invite us both. Cause it's really there is there are some G chat receipts um and between me and Dio, where we're scheduling, you know, Gossip Girl was a show I had watched with Dio for like at least a season leading up to this. And, you know, and she's like, look, I think I want to host this time because I want to invite this girl, Aminatu. And I was like, I've heard about her. So, you know, I mean, yes. the myth, and the I myth had just building. met Dio and I had just met Dio because we were connected through this like weird work thing and people had called me Dio at work multiple times. And I was like, first of all, rude. Second of all, who is Dio? What? Beautiful name. And also so talk about all... making lemonade out of lemons. You turned a microaggression into a lifelong friendship. Yeah, like 100%. I was like, God bless the white people who did this. And so, you know, and I and I was talking to her about Gossip Girl and I was like, I don't really, I watch alone. And she was like, that's nonsense. Like, come over. And she made it happen. Ugh. Yeah. And so I think that the point about our story is it definitely had a little bit of that who's that lady like bonding with a stranger feeling of like, oh, my God, I really want to get to know this person. And that feeling was mutual for us, which it not it does not always work that way. But when you really kind of peel back the layers of our story, you realize that we had like this pretty connected, I would say, friend and social group already, which is like what enabled us to be in the same space and then kind of easily see each other 
again and again after that, which is really different, I think, than like you like meeting someone who lives far away or comes from a different social world. You know, it was like easy for us to get close fast in part because like we had people like Dio in common. I know, but you know the reason I, I like this kind uh like this kind of thing, like the interconnected friend group thing, is because I I used to feel this a lot, like when I was younger at least. I I definitely still feel it. When everybody that you know knows somebody that you don't know yet, you know, they're always like, and then this person did or whatever, you're like, We get it, you know so and so. And it used to give me like a little bit of stress when I was younger, and now I've just realized I was like, Oh, you are actually eventually going to meet like most people that your friends know. It's just going to happen in a like in a completely different way than you anticipated. And yes. so there is just that element of like, uh, give it some time. A little bit of magic and time like always works. So it was great. Have you ever had a situation like uh, this listener voicemail, like at the Whole Foods, um, where you like where you actually met someone in public and became their friend? I think like maybe the closest thing to this that I had was like meeting my friend Cecile at work where we were both like in the copy room and we both like looked like we shouldn't work at this place. Like she looked like incredibly cool and chic and I was black. Um, so <laughs> Just tells you the kind of place we worked at. And I just remember like, you know, like we did not work on the same thing. Like we did not work in the same department. I had been working there for a while and our paths hadn't crossed. So it was truly the first time that I saw her was in this copy room. And I remember looking at her and I was like, I want to be her friend. And we ended up like living together less than a year later. Ugh, I love that. Again, like not 100% strangers because obviously like you work together. But that's the kind mm -hmm. of thing that like if you don't have some kind of friend spark, it's literally just a coworker you passed for two seconds in the copy room. And like you would never have a memory of that. Like your brain would never even hang on. How many millions of almost strangers has everyone passed at work or on the street or whatever? I know. In San Francisco, I did make a friend at a bar. It was hilarious. I was on a date that was going like not well at all. And... I don't even know how this happened. She sat down next to us. And then next thing you know, like the date turned into like a three person drinks. And I'm still friends with that woman. I have not talked to that man since that night. So it's perfect. I love that. I love that. I feel like that is the stuff that like friendship rom-coms are made of. I have another extremely serendipitous, like no connection to my friend group story, which is I was working at a coffee shop years ago at this point. And, and you worked at a coffee shop? I, know. I have, did not know this. Early <laughs> days of freelancing when I was transitioning out of office life. I know. Um, so anyway, I was laptopping near these two women. And something happened. I forget what. Like, there was some kind of thing in the coffee shop. And so we started chatting. We, like, made eye contact about it. Very similar to this listener voicemail. And after we had talked for, like, you know, like, 20 minutes or so, we're clearly getting along. They're like, this is going to sound really weird, but you need to meet our friend Drea. You, you like, would love her. And I was like, that's very strange. Like, it's very strange to get talking to two strangers really comfortably. But it's even more strange that they're like, you need to meet this specific friend of ours. And so these two near strangers organized a friend hang between me and their other friend who was not even there. And, and I met her and I did, in fact, love her and here's the spookiest thing we have the same birthday that is so Drea and I I, I know and you know oh and here's the God. thing is like because we have no we have zero social overlap really like she and I see each other maybe twice a year even though we both live in LA but like 
I like truly love her. It is like one of those things where I'm like, oh, I would see you every week if we had some social overlap. Instead, I see you like when we both like really make a concerted effort. And like, how weird is it that like these friends of hers identified that she and I would really get along? True magic, true magic at work. Obviously, there's the serendipity and like magic aspect of friendship, which is great. But also not all friendships are instant connections. And here is a voicemail from someone who didn't like their bestie when they first met. Hi, my name is Meredith and I live in Texas. I met Shauna at college. We both went to Emerson College and we both did speech and debate together. And I was really aggressively competitive. And I have to say for a while, ah, she wasn't my favorite person. I really liked her, but I didn't like how smart she was and how good she was, which isn't shine theory, but I've definitely improved, thank God, since my college years. But anyway, after college, we sort of were in touch on Facebook a bit. But then after I had my second child, she started sending me books. And I know in this family that we love to read. And it was just like the most beautiful thing to receive books about everything it just opened up my world and having young kids and just the day in and day out and being able to escape with a book at the end of the day I I still don't know to this day if she really understands the impact of her doing that for me it was just so thoughtful and she sent books every couple of weeks I couldn't have lived without it and now we're both into activism in our own corners of the world. We have supported each other's candidates that we're we're working on campaigning. We share ideas. And she actually just sent me another book today, and it's on tyranny, 20 Lessons from the 20th Century. And that feels really, really appropriate given, given the world today. She's just thoughtful. She's amazing. She's strong. And she inspires me. Just someone I, I, I really, really appreciate having in my life. Ugh, people change. <laughs> People change. I actually like love this because like one of my closest friends that you are now also very close to is somebody that in college we I wouldn't say that we like actively did not like like there was no like hatred, but there was no love there. You know what I mean? And it was very awkward because we were in the same like social group. We were like in two big social groups together. Also, we had a lot of friends together. And it wasn't until junior year of college, and I literally met this person like the first week of college. It wasn't until junior year of college where we both had like some significant amount of personal growth that we finally connected. And she was in study abroad in London and we wrote the whole time that she was gone. And when she came back, we had like dumped one of the social activities that we did, AKA church. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't like to talk about my church years here. So, you know, this is a moment of personal tremendous growth for me. Uh, We'll talk about that one day. But like, I remember so well, just the feeling of like, finally being close to this person and thinking like why why did we not like each other for so long and truly like based on nothing I had never seen her like do a shitty thing it was just this like acute feeling of like I don't like her which I think is you know like it's very immature but it's also very common and yeah like where do you think that came from for you like of just not liking her at a gut level I you know like and and the reason that that friendship was challenging for me is that I actually had never had that before like they're not women that I just like ugh, I don't like them and I think that in this case it was 
we obviously had like very similar personalities, you know? And so there wasn't room for like a boat. Like we probably, I, I won't speak for her, but like I felt like it probably wasn't room for both of us. And also church is like a very like heteropatriarchal space also where uh, women compete with each other, even when you think that you are not competing with each other. I truly like don't know, but I know that like the smallest thing, like we just like didn't get along. And now it's crazy because she is truly one of the great loves of my life. And I'm so glad that we like left that toxic space behind and that we found each other. But I'm also like glad that we found each other in our own way because I do think that the other thing that was at play there is that when you do like large group things with people, whether it's church or it's just like the coworker friends or even like, you know, like you and I had like some like deep hangs with like a lot of friends that we were not like related to in any kind of activity. There is just this pressure that all women should get along. We actually like all chafe at that and it manifests in different ways. And so in a lot of ways, like I'm grateful that we didn't do the pretend to like each other for years and instead we found our own way to each other. So, you know, it's good times. Wow. I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about what you just said about the pressure for women to pretend to like each other in the context of a lot of what we talk about with shine theory, which is that like simultaneously, and I'm, I'm trying to reconcile these two things, which I believe both are true. Simultaneously, we're kind of given messages that like you said, there can only be like one social star of this like group or there can only be one like as per the voicemail, like really smart person on the speech and debate team or whatever, you know, or only, only one really smart woman on speech and debate coupled with the like you have to pretend to get along with all women. And so like this idea of like the layers, the layers, Mary Berry voice, layers, ha- the layers, layers. happening <laughs> in like, you know, in the background of like group dynamics with women of like, OK, I don't like this woman. Maybe I don't like her because we're being taught to like tacitly to compete for this like role that's not a real role of smartest person on speech and debate and also I have to pretend that like things are okay because open hostility is not great and I'm just like wow the cocktail of emotions that patriarchy forces us to sip is very complicated yeah and it's like and it's really poisonous if we had not gotten over that I think that my life would be like less rich because like this woman is somebody who I love so much And there are so many things that could have kept us apart. And they were all dumb. (laughs) And they were all dumb things. Like, like Ah. the the moral, the moral of this story. And also I feel like this, this idea of not having an instant connection when you meet someone is really just about timing. You know, I mean, like that's, that's a part of it as well. Like it can be about a group dynamic, but you know, sometimes it's like, I, I wasn't really in a place where I had time to form a deep friendship or like really I was feeling insecure about this particular thing that like you totally unwittingly triggered in me right you know and and then I got Mm -hmm. over that thing and then we of course we were great friends like you know so some of it is just like everyone's on their own journey and you can meet someone and not have a click moment and then slowly grow into it or re-meet them years later and then have the friendship really take off I love that brings me a lot of hope actually No, I love this a lot. You're so right about the timing. Sometimes the timing is just not, the timing is not right. But also there is something, you know, about being grown women. Like, you know, you and I talk about this a lot where we always say that we're low drama mamas or whatever. And there. (laughs) What does that mean? You have to define that. (laughs) um, You know, like we, like Anne and I, we, like you and I have always identified as people who like, we don't have drama in our lives. 
Mary J. Blige, no more trauma in our lives. <laughs> and and there's always been a point of pride. And now, uh, now that we are unpeeling the layers, we realize that one, it's not true. And also it's foolish. And also that like drama is not a thing that is unique to like teenage girls. You know, and it's and it just like makes me think a lot of like how we're socialized to think about conflict and how it's hard. It's complicated for women. Whereas if you are allowed to just like be fully self-expressed and say all your emotions, you can turn around like a bad situation with someone in something that is good and real because you realize that the thing that you're whatever the thing that is like triggering you to be mad sometimes is actually like nothing at all. It's just you needing to say who you are. Or understand where somebody else is coming from. Because, you know, like when when you don't like you don't know the full experience of how every different person can be. Right. And I think that even for people like us who have like, a, I would say, like, you know, like a beautiful Benetton, like diverse group of people in our lives. And I mean, like, I don't mean that like by race. I mean that emotionally. There are also times where you meet somebody and you're like, I've never met somebody like this. And sometimes you're like, I love it. And other times you're like, I've never met somebody like this. This person is defective. And truly, you just have to like get to know them. It's hard to wrap your mind around the fact that every single person can be a unique snowflake in their own way. And that sometimes you're just not equipped to like deal with how somebody like presents themselves. And it just takes time to figure it out. It's true. And I think also one thing I think about with this example of like not having an instant connection is sometimes you do have like one kind of connection. Like I think about, um, you know, both of our good friend Beth Pickens as someone who I met her in college and she's older than me enough that I was like, whoa, 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 you are so together. Like, you know, like I met her at an age when like like uh, an age gap of a couple of years like really felt like something. And so I I really look to her as like a role model and a mentor, but I don't think that we were really friends. Like we were certainly friendly. And then it took her moving to LA probably five years ago and us spending a lot of time together that I'm like, oh, like we are we are friends friends now. And so I think that's part of it too, is like you can have people in your orbit and you know, you need some kind of circumstance or timing to shift for it to become like a true and deep friendship and so like that's another part of like this voicemail or like the counter example to love friend love at first sight that I that like I really love thinking about I'm like "Mm, who do I know now in an acquaintance way who is going to be like my BFF when I'm 45 or like 55 I love thinking about that oh my gosh I love it Hi, my name is Liz. We were complete strangers sitting next to each other and I looked over at her Twitter background and it was um, a bunch of Waka Flocka's, a bunch of the rapper Waka Flocka's heads on some eagles flying uh, kind of like across the sky. And I just turned to her, I was like, A, who are you? B, I love your background. She says, yes, that's my flock of Wakas. And I was like, oh my God, you are the best person ever. We're going to be friends. Hey, CYG. Uh, My name is Harris, and I might be a little tardy to the party, but I wanted to leave you a message about how I met my bestie, Emily. For a while, I thought I had a crush on her, but turns out I was a little gaby who just wanted a strong, smart, beautiful, talented lady friend. Oh my God, we have a voicemail that, is, that makes me very happy. 
Uh, Gina's calling this the catfishing BFF category. (laughs) (laughs) But to be clear, there's not any actual catfishing happening. You know, it's just about people who aggressively lean into new friendship with so much gusto. So this one is great. Hi, Anna and Amina. This is Emma calling from Washington, D.C. And you can use this on the show. I met my bestie in the first period of the first day of high school. We were in a PE locker room. We had gone to different middle schools. So I guess the locker room was mostly full of people from my middle school, and she was feeling some social anxiety from not knowing many people, but she overheard people saying my name and asking how my summer was. So when I walked over to my locker, which was next to hers, she turned and said, hey, Emma, how was your summer, girl? It's been so long. And I just stared blankly at her before leaning into it. I probably would have handled this differently now, 12 years later, but at the time I had some social anxiety of my own. So I just went with it and pretended I knew her, and I was racking my brain for literally a year before I asked her where we had met before, and she admitted that we didn't, and she just needed a fast friend. So basically, she gaslighted me into us being friends, but it's okay. This is clearly the stuff of lasting friendships. Okay, vaguely catfishing, but also I would say this is just sheer determination. Like, have you ever tried to make a friendship happen out of sheer force of will? <laughs> I mean, isn't that what all friendships are? <laughs> they are, but like some require, some require are a little bit more one-sided at the beginning, like for sure. It's true. So my friend Mandy, who you know, I was friends with her, I want to say at the time, fiance. Again, like, you know, we were living in D.C. in, like, big friend group situation. But Mandy and I had not connected yet on a, like, one-to-one level. And one day, like, finally had enough of it. I was just like, eh, like, this is dumb. Like, we know everybody here and I don't know you. And, oh, yeah, and I guess, like, they had gotten married or they were getting married. And we weren't, like, close enough that I was going to the wedding. But that, like, wasn't an issue. It was just like, this is dumb. Like, I see you all the time. And I, like... I pulled a Friday Night Lights, like, line on her, and I just, like, eyed her at a party, and I was like, listen, Mandy, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Like, we're going to make time for each other. Yeah, some, like, real Tim Riggins shit. You declared your uh, intentions. (laughs) I did, you know, but I, like, I love declaring my intentions to people. They teach you in church that you have to do it when you start dating people. When you start dating people, I think that you should do it when you were friend dating also. And so, Wait, they teach you in church. To- this is so. This is our churchiest episode ever. They, they I know t- it is the church. So at church, at the church that we went to, we being like uh, me and the mutual friends that you know. I'm like, speak for yourself. Church. I have never been um, a, a willful the church resident. They, you know, like college church shit. 50% of college church is just like people who want to bone each other but are not allowed to and so they have to learn how to be fake friends until they can bone each other and then the other 50% of it is just raising money to go on mission trips like that's just what's going on and I so, thought some of it was like indie rock versions of Jesus songs mm, yeah yeah that's just the background the, the <laughs> OST to the whole thing but the two things are literally like people who want to bone but aren't allowed to and then people who are like do I really have to raise $5,000 to go to Indonesia why can't we just help the poor people in America the the thing is like you talk a lot about dating because the whole point of like men and women being together is marriage on but some of the advice was actually like very good but I remember this where they're like you do have to be very intentional about when you want to date someone because you know these like church boys otherwise they just like ask you out on dates all the time and don't tell you that they're dates and then you're just like gaslighting each other all day back to like friend dating I think that it's like very hot to tell people that you do want to be their friend. And I do it a lot now, you know, because because sometimes you just like go to the drinks where you're like, 
uh, fine, we're trying to get to know each other. This is whatever. And then if you don't both do something about it, it's just like that one time you went on, you went to drinks or you went to a yoga class or whatever. And I find that, uh, especially at our age, you have to be intentional about wanting like people in your life. So just tell them you're like, I'm coming for you. Especially like the way most friendships are formed. You have something in common often that is not just social. So like you are at a drinks that is that is also about talking about a work thing or you Mm -hmm. also share a hobby or you are whatever it might be. And I think that one reason why it's so nice to kind of be like, oh, I actually want to be friends is I have had a lot of people in my life who I maybe have some kind of peripheral professional connection to and when one of us has made a declaration of friendship, that has made it really clear that we are not in work mode. Like we are both here because we want to be here as people. And I like I think that that is like really, really nice to kind of say, OK, like we're here on a voluntary basis. This is not about networking. Right. Like, it's not yeah. networking. It's not like, I don't know, our mutual friend from out of town said we should like check in. It's truly just say what's on your heart. Earnestness is back and earnestness is great. Just do it. Yeah. And I, I also love the feeling. I, I love both being the person to say, let's be friends. And also the feeling of because, um, you know, people don't always say, like, look, I really want to be friends. But like when you put the pieces together, you're like, oh, they want to be friends. That's why right. she's texting me every week to set up a hang. Like I, <laughs> that, that feeling feels so feels so great, too. It's like so. So being able to be both the person who receives that, like, oh, this person's really making an effort to get to know me. But also being the person who has at times put that forth and been like, you know what? Like, I am seriously making time for this person and I'm not going to feel self-conscious about that fact. I'm going to be like very open about like, yeah, I do want you to be the kind of person I see. Yeah, friend consent is hot. Like, talk about it. (laughs) Friend consent. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Because otherwise, like, you know, like the older you get, the like, it's not that you're busy, like everybody's busy, but your worlds just start getting smaller and closing on each other. That's just a reality. It's like it's easier to make friends in college than it is after college. It is probably easier to make friends in high school than it is in college because you're stuck in the same boat as a lot of people and you're forced to do friendly activities all the time. And also you are exercising that muscle. But the older you get, the more staying home every single Friday night on the couch, like that's a beautiful reality that you can have. Like, I love that shit. But you got to step out and like meet people. And people always tell you, you know, in a romantic context, like you got to put yourself out there And that's like a thing to aspire to. But with friends, it's the same thing. You got to fucking put yourself out there. And telling somebody that you want to be their friend is putting yourself out there. Yeah. And I also think about this as it's like skills building for when things get hard in the friendship or, you know, any kind of threat that your friendship faces, whether it is someone getting a new one of you getting a new job that's really intense. And so suddenly you have less time or like one of you having a kid or being, you know, caring for someone in your family who's like, you know, you're suddenly in a caregiver role or moving away. Like like this is a big one for us is like that intentionality really, really helps then once things get potentially rocky where you're like, okay, how do I intentionally signal to you that I still want to be in this friendship like through this moment, even on a level of like, how are we scheduling our FaceTime check-ins now that we're long distance, which is a thing that you and I definitely did. 100%. We have so many good gifts from that. Woo. I know. And like, I also I think all the time about like Dio, yes, gonna mention Dio again. 
Um, Dio told Dio me. Dio is the glue that holds a lot of our friendships together. Let's be real. Let's well, give credit where credit is due. <laughs> and because, like, speaking of intentional people, like she was, she was telling. I don't. I don't know if I'm outing her. <laughs> she was. She was telling me that she actually does like keep track, like on a spreadsheet of like how long has it been since I checked in with this person who's important to me. Like she's someone who has a like far flung global friend network and is like, you know, I'm just going to make a note because like months can slide by without doing like a really meaningful check in. And it's so funny because I noticed on my end, I was like, wow, like, you know, it seems like every six months or so I get a voicemail from Dio being like, just wanted to check in with you. And I like thanked her for that when I saw her recently. And she was like, oh, girl, you're on the spreadsheet. Like, like <laughs> you're on the list. Yeah, no, my version of that is the calendar check in where you mm -hmm. just like, put names in a calendar but the thing is that like people who have friends who live all over the world or like some of us who grew up all over the world you know that that's the only way that your friendships will survive otherwise you're just a kid who goes from like place to place to place to place to place and we were doing this shit before facetime before spreadsheets before the internet you know like before like tell us elder amina <laughs> i know but it's just i don't know there is like a lot of like uh third culture kids like me what is a third culture kid <laughs> a third culture kid is a kid who grew up not in the culture that their family is from. The thing about it is that, you know, like there are kids who grew up like me who like once they're their own adults, they really hate a lot of how they grew up because you don't get to like form deep bonds. You're always moving around. You never remember, you know, you're like banking, like, like a uh, prompt for street you grew up on, like shit like that. Super stressful. And then, you know, like there are the people like me that were like, yeah, that was really stressful. But also it like taught me a lot about how you keep people close and how I like to do it. But also like how I like to be how I like to receive that kind of love. And, you know, like not to say that everybody should be like toted around as a child or, you know, like be a globe trotting person. But there is really something to be said about the fact that keeping in touch now is actually technically easier because of technology. But if you don't actually use the technology or use your, you know, or actually make a concerted effort to do it, people will just slide in and out of your life. Yeah. And so just to like bring it all back around to this like catfishing BFF, I'm like, okay, <laughs> that was maybe, maybe a creepy move in the sixth grade, but I am confident that like she's got the stuff for, to have lasting and like really good friendships based on her friend making techniques. Have you ever done this though, where you like, there's somebody that you see all the time or somebody that you're like aware of because of Instagram or because of something. And so obviously like, you know who they are and you just say like, oh, I think we have a lot of friends in common or I think, we, you know, like you just have an opening line that's not like, hi, I really like you. I have a crush on you. Please be my friend. And you say something think, dumb to like cover it up that like, I feel like I do that all the time. The I think we have friends in common is like the modern polite IRL coded way of being like, I have definitely clicked through a tag on Instagram <laughs> and seen like your vacation. <laughs> totally, totally. It's like a non creepy way of doing that. But you do it in such a like sheepish way you know yeah and so I like we know. both it know makes... what's happening here <laughs> right i super appreciate all of these voicemails because there are so many different ways to be a friend okay do you want to listen to one more okay tell me about the next one the next one is really i we played this one on tour and i got a little emotional every time i heard it um because it is about like you know what sounds to me like a very deep friendship where um 
it's not about making a friend, even though they, they mention that. It's kind of about keeping a friend. And um, I know that wasn't the directive we gave when we asked for voicemails, but I don't know. I felt I felt emotional about it. I think like the question is, what happens when you don't stay close and you have some big stuff to work through? Hi, call your girlfriend. Um, we are uh, Julia. Um, and I'm Jay. Hi, we're calling to you from San Francisco, California. I'm driving Julia to the airport right now. Into a long distance bestie Yeah, car. exactly. <laughs> I'm a white woman and I'm a mixed race Chinese and white woman. You know, privilege is something that's so structural and systematic and it's like this abstract thing. But I think like for us, it shows like how it manifests really concretely when like emotions and like loving someone, but also feeling like challenged in real time, like in a friendship. It was really hard for us to talk about it We've been really lucky to spend the last few days reconvening and enjoying some real FaceTime in person and discussing our rough patch and moving forward. Aww, these ladies. Our rough patch. <laughs> At, like on the ride to the airport. If that is not like true love, I don't even know. I know. I know that this is not part of their story, but I definitely picture like a running through the airport, like love actually style. <laughs> Listen, I still have a note that you like where you wrote my name from when you came to pick me up at the airport and you made a sign. And I was like, oh, my God, this actually happens. People really do this. This is amazing. <laughs> I mean, opposite of working through our rough patch. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. But, you know, the reason I really like this is because it like touches on so many things, you know you can really love somebody and want to be their friends, but like life sets in, you know? And so I love that they're able to talk about their privilege. I love that they're able to talk about the fact that they're in an interracial friendship and, you know, and sometimes it is like, you know, even in our friendship, there are things that it's easy to distinguish between like the things that you actively do to each other to hurt each other, like, which like that's its own thing that you can work on. And then there are just things that you're like, Oh, this is the system. It is both like wonderful and sometimes incredibly hard to be in an interracial friendship. It is hard to be in a friendship where the power dynamic feels different. It's hard to be in a friendship where there are like clear class, like race, whatever lines that are drawn because some of it is personal and some of it is just like truly just like systemic fuck ups. And you're just trying to be like two people who love each other and you're not immune to like systemic issues. A hundred percent. And it's worth noting here that like it's pretty much only white people who don't have interracial friendships. Like I'm talking statistically here. Like, oh, yeah, it's something like white people only have they have like less than one friend of color. So the statistic is three quarters of white people don't have any friends who aren't white. (laughs) (laughs) I know this statistic is scarier than I thought. I know (laughs) it is also also bigger than I remembered. But also, like, if you're a person of color and let's say, mm, I don't know, you went to a predominantly white institution for a school, uh, that tracks. I used to be I used to be in a Facebook group at the dawn of Facebook with literally when Facebook like came to colleges that was called I (laughs) I'm the black friend people tell you about. And, you know, shout out to that group. I miss it. But it's like (laughs) that that is like very real. People of color have friends of every race and white people have like at best, one friend of color. Right. And so, like, I mean, one thing that we're finding as we do research for, you know, various aspects of our book is, like, navigating 
race. I mean, in which, which to be fair, this voicemail, like, you know, really distills perfectly. Like, and also like what you said about like, you can kind of share big picture ideals when it comes to politics and activism and race and privilege. And when it comes to really like working through those things in your own friendship, there is not a lot of support and not a lot of tools. I mean, like looking for... And it's for- scary. It's like actually scary. Right. And so I just, it just feels worth saying again that like if the research is to be believed, interracial friendship is a, like a niche issue. And I'm like, wow, who is editing the journals and doing the research? Because it is only yeah. a niche issue if you are white. Like the sidebar, sorry, sidebar, white people are wild. You need people of color in your life. You need like, you're going to have better spiced food. You're going to have better skin products. Like, what is going on here? I mean, I do not think that we want to go down the route, the road of like me making the case to white people for like why you need <laughs> like, you know, like many, many people of different flavors in your life. Niche, in- <laughs> niche interests. <laughs> but like 100% agree. And I think like the difficulties of working in your friendship as a site, like basically friendship as a site of like trying to get free and as of, of like decolonization and like a place Ooh. where you have Ooh. the hard conversations that like, you know, are not just about like some big issue that doesn't touch you, but about like how you are in in contact with each other and really part of each other's lives. Like having those conversations and working through those things with you have, it's like, that's been some of the most meaningful work of my whole life, you know? And not to say I don't do it with other friends in different ways because I do, but like though that is really something where I'm like, how if you kind of espouse a certain value set it's one thing to know it and it's another thing to like live it and work on it in conjunction with people you love so yeah so i feel i feel very emotional about that (laughs) Uh, friendship is a site of political work man like real i know for me it has extended to friendships where there are all kinds of big like identity gaps i mean it is how i feel like I have any kind of gut level knowledge of what it's like to live with chronic mental illness. It's like how it's like I have any kind of like first person empathetic, you know what I mean? Like in a real way, not just like, oh, yes, I obviously like am for, um, you know, these issues, but like in a kind of like in my bones, I feel this way approach to certain issues and things that don't affect me or people who share my identity directly. It's like, it is just a different way of being in the world. And I think like, like this, this voicemail, like these friends on their way to the airport being like, recognizing that the both the difficulty and the beauty in that and being like, yeah, like we had a rough patch we had to talk about. I'm like, oh my God, like, this is just, this is gold. Like people do not talk about this. I know. I love it. Here's to everybody discussing their rough patches because it's great. Or here's to everybody who's like thought, who is thinking a lot about the rough patch or being like, are we in a rough patch? Um, And here's a permission, you know, nudge to maybe acknowledge that that's what it is like with your friend more openly. Yeah. I I feel like, look, it's so funny. I was about to be like, we could talk about this for days and days. And I'm like, oh, right. We're writing a book about this. We are talking about this for days and days. We are talking about this for days and days. I know. I'm just like, this all sounds repetitive. Why? Deja vu. What? Um, Big friendship coming at you. Spring 2020. (laughs) Oh, my God. It is true. Bigfriendship.com, where there are no resources about this stuff yet. But like one day, God is willing. God is willing. God is willing. Okay. 
And I gotta go because I'm going to church. So oh I'll my talk God. to you soon. <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Can you imagine? I am not going to church, but please pray for me. Thanks for being a friend, Boo Boo. You are the best. See you on the internet. You can find us many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download the show anywhere you listen to your faves or on Apple Podcast, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can email us at callyrgf at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at callyrgf. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our logos are by Kanisha Sneed. Our associate producer is Destry Maria Sibley. This podcast is produced by Gina Dalvac. Thanks for making us reminisce about how we became friends. Yes. It took us back in time. Yes. And now we're still the best of friends. Cheers. (laughs) 